do we want to do the super smink chat now or uh, before the before the gold rush? What are you? What are we discussing? Uh, I just wanted to just do a bit of a straw poll amongst amongst, I don't know. amongst people here. <laughs> well. I don't know. I'm a bit upset. I'm a bit upset. I don't see how Super Smink's gone ahead of Magnificent Andy because it's a 93 Raider <laughs> and Smink's a 90. So, for me, Super Smink should be the third emergency. That's the one thing I don't get from this. Like, I think it's probably one spot too high. Um, yeah. But I guess that's up to the handicapper. So That sounds like, <laughs> sounds like some, so, so, someone would say on Twitter, actually. So, um, oh, is that a little... <laughs> so what do you not- think about our mate Brad McManus just... Uh, what did you think, BJ? He a bit of fire in the belly. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Brad's—he's a railway employee, isn't he? So uh, when he's when you're stuck over in the bubble, I think you can lose lose a little bit of sight about what's going on in the uh, in the real world. But no, Brad. I'm just trying to cause rifts. Yeah, BJ. I think you obviously have something to say about it. So you're probably best to kick us off because I think Terry and I will probably take the Mickey a little bit. That's all, <laughs> yeah. all I'm going to do purely because <laughs> nah. that's that's yeah, I feel like nah, it's my it's, role it's in been, life. It's, it has been done to death this week. Tab Radio has covered it quite extensively. There's been lots of chatter on online, but basically, what happened on Monday when the field was declared, uh, the handicapper decided that Super Smink hadn't done enough to guarantee herself a start in the Gold Rush on Saturday. Do you think the Favourite. handicapper made that decision? Or do you think they just didn't make a decision? Well, there's layers to it. I think I think that were everyone was taken aback a little bit by Dom Deschute, Bustler accepting after racing last Saturday, more Dom Deschute. And, of course, Carly's Karma has made one of the great all-time great comebacks from throat surgery to take her place in the race. What so, do you think of the trial of Carly's Karma? So-so. So-so, yeah. But, I mean, if, if you're recovering from a throat mishap, you're just going to drop out and run on and be as, put under as least pressure as possible. But, I mean, uh, good luck to them. But we, it, it wasn't factored in as a as a runner. So, um, so like, it was always kind of, uh, in my numbers, she was always never, she was never all just in the field in terms of like, but, but again, it's not really stipulated in the conditions of the race exactly how they're going to do their, their order of entry. So, when you nominate for those feature races, the wait for age races, and the condition, uh, there is a section of the conditions of entry about handicappers' discretion or, or ultimate discretion in basically choosing who who um, uh, gets in the field or who doesn't get in the field, and they have that ultimate authority. So, I guess from just from full disclosure for those that that listeners that aren't aware, I. I work for uh, one of my clients is Morton Racing and um, I was involved obviously in the programming of Super Smink. So we were monitoring the, the shape of the field for a couple of weeks and I guess we just felt as though she was favourite for the race uh, and uh, the, the, that she had she – had, she was champion two-year-old, she'd won the Belgravia – Second in the champion fillies, the third in the, in the guineas. That it would kind of be a bit of a no-brainer that she would she would be in the field, and the older horses had to fight amongst themselves to um, to determine the rest of the order of entry. So the thing that um, is frustrating about her being declared E two, and I spoke to Vinny immediately after the Vinny means the chief handicapper immediately after the field was announced, uh, and. 
So everything that I say now is exactly what I said to him on Monday. But I think not only am I disappointed that they didn't – I'll start again. I think we need to determine in wait for age races, in these $1.5 million races, whether it's the Winterbottom, the Northerly or the Gold Rush, I think there needs to be some clarity around is the handicapper's job to pick the, to pick the field off ratings or is it to pick the best possible field so that the best race against the best? Is that how the Cox Plate's done? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that if that, I believe that has always been the case. Mm-hmm. But, for, but for some. How's it worded? It's, it's basically it's discretionary balloting that um, they have discretionary ballot, ultimate discretionary balloting powers that they can, they can demote horses, um, you know, uh, by their, you know, by their assessment, by their so personal assessment. So not promote, just demote. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but my, um, so my thing is, all right, so what are we trying to achieve here as a, as a body, as, a, as an industry, as an entertainment um, and wagering um, product? For mine, and I, I think, think we should pick the best field and we should empower our handicappers to do that. So, uh, which I always thought was just accepted anyway. So, the, 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 the fundamental things that I disagree with from the order of entry is if Vinny has used ratings to determine the order of entry, then he can't use, then her Super Sphinx three-year-old rating is irrelevant because she's never raced against older horses and it's a it's a it's just a figure it's not a real number so she's never had an opportunity to create a mature number that can that you can accurately marry up against the the older horses and rating three odds is the hardest thing a handicapper can do because they can go from a maiden and progress so quickly that like in you know, in a matter of time, they're they can win a maiden, and then they're an, a ninety rater because of the the progression, and then they, um, and then they have to get rated accordingly. So I'll give you some examples. So Zip Away, uh, when it won the Guineas, rated seventy. So then it went into the Northerly, rating eighty six. Now post Northerly, having run third, it rates ninety nine. So it's gone from a seventy to a ninety nine winning the guineas and running third in a northerly. Uh, Oscar's Fortune won the Placid Arc Prelude and came out of that race as a 78, ran second in the Placid Arc, went to an 84, and then ran second in a winner bottom, and now it's 101. So uh, it's gone from a 70, so it's gone from a 78 to a 101 without even winning a race. So the the, the three odd ratings are so volatile that I think it was it was unfair and I thought I think the methodology is wrong to use her rating to determine where she fits in the order of entry. My counter to what he said was uh, her rating was too low and she hasn't done enough is that it's a wait for age race. She gets five kilos under the scale. If you're going to use, if you're going to use her rating of 90 in a wait for age context against older horses, you should standardize her rating for wait for age. So therefore, it's 100. Therefore, you should add the five kilos back onto her rating and she should have a rating of 100 plus four for being a Philizomer. So she should be 104. You should do that for the entire field. Otherwise, it's an unfair assessment because her rating isn't real compared to your labor rods and these mature horses who have raced in season in, season out. So 
I just disagree with how, the, how they decided to use the field. I also disagree when Vinny said to me that she hasn't made a compelling case to warrant a start. And he said that on radio during the week as well. And I find that just mind boggling, mind boggling. Uh, she's won a Belgravia. Uh, behind her in the Belgravia was almighty class, augment, a lot of good men, ripcord, all finished behind her. She got she gave four kilos to Keshi Boom, she uh, who then went on and won the champion fillies, and she's been beaten half length in the WA Guineas uh, behind Zipper White and a lot of good men who then grown run third and fifth in the Northerly. And for my for my understanding is that should have elevated her standing. The performances of the three year olds in the winter bottom in the Northerly should have elevated her her standing and should have helped make a compelling case for her. Um, but they focus so much on the fact that she got beat last start and she didn't win and use that as such a negative against her, rather that one performance, rather than look at it as a whole and look at what's in the best interest of the race and what's in the best interest of the event. So I disagreed with his methodology. I disagreed with his assessment. And I disagree with the fact that he chose not to use his discretionary ballot, balloting powers to pick the best possible field. And uh, I think the race is... Um, is lesser because she's not in the race. And I find another thing he said on radio was that we don't we don't factor in markets into our decision making. And I find that a little bit disturbing in fact that he's just used one metric ratings only to pick the field, whereas he hasn't taken in all the other factors into consideration when determining the He field has to well. some degree because he's put her above Magnificent Because no, she, no, she's a 94. Oh, is that the, yeah, yeah okay. She's a 94 because okay, she gets the mayor's allowance. points, yeah, right and, and also another thing is there was too much focus on who misses out, so, so Super Smink should get in. My take is that Super Smink should have been in anyway and then you, you work backwards from there. And talk about compelling cases – Laver Rod hasn't won a race since April 2021 and has 11 starts since its last win. It's been placed twice. And don't get me wrong, Laver Rod was a great run in the winter bottom and he always runs a good race. I think he's run, he's run well in the last two winter bottoms. But if you're talking about making a compelling case and earning your spot in the field, he's had 11 goes at this level and, hasn't been, and has proven over a, a two-and-a-half-year period that he's not good enough. Smink got beaten once in the guineas and all of a sudden she's not good enough despite everything she's achieved in eight starts. I feel like it was just blinkers on, very narrow decision-making process. And, you know, and I said this to Vinny, I just said I think it was wrong. I just think it was the wrong call. And I, people will say that I'm conflicted, yes, but you should also know, and if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, that I've always taken the – bigger picture of what's best for WA racing into consideration. And I think this was just, this was a dumb decision, dumb decision. And I, uh, and I feel like the race and the event and everything would have been a lot richer for Super Spink to be in the field and for them to use their courage and conviction to be, pick the best field possible. Yeah. That's <clears throat> nah, extremely well said. I don't think anyone can debate that the race is less without her in it or – is that right? Yeah. Like it would have been a much better race with her in it. So no one's arguing that. Um, so I guess what you're saying is she should just already be in it and then someone drops out from the bottom. But Ripcord's number 16, but assuming. He's in because <clears throat> he won the Placid Okay. Yeah. So Carly's Carmel. My, my Bella May, I think, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Well, she's, she's had chances. And has, but again, yeah. if I'm using my argument that 
the rating should be adjusted for weight for age, then they get two kilos. So she has to go up another four points as well. Yeah. So, so I really feel like there was an opportunity missed to justify the order of entry by adding the weight for age back onto Super Sphinx's rating. And then she would have been 104 and then she would have been in the field. But, and, and it's just, it's a nonsense to compare three odd ratings to older horses' ratings because she's never raced against. Yeah. I think what you horses. said before about she's, even though at the moment she's a, 90 or a 94 rater. She's only one run away from being an extra 15 points, just like Oscar's yeah. fortune and who was she's the other getting one? She just hasn't like, got there yet. Yeah, but yeah. she she already she's good enough to be that rating. She just hasn't achieved it yet. Yeah, and, and also if she had a won the Burgess Queen Stakes, she would have beaten horses that were rated 60, 62 up to 70. She wouldn't have got a ratings penalty anyway, and that wouldn't have been enough to get her in the field. Because it was a, it, there's no gold. It wasn't a golden ticket race. So if she wins the Belgravia, she wins the Burgess Queen. Her rating would have stayed at 90. She gets beat in the Guineas, which is a golden ticket race. Under their argument, she could win the Belgravia, Burgess Queen, run third in the Guineas, and not get a run because her ratings are high enough. So I think the whole thing is flawed. And these these are the moments in time where the handicappers need to use their discretion to pick the best field possible. And if they all sat around, had a roundtable discussion. Like, I, I find it mind-boggling that they wouldn't think that she would be in the field. Yep. Um, so, that, it's, it's disappointing. This isn't really a counter-argument yep. to what you've just said because it probably doesn't have a lot to do whether whether she should be in the field or not. But I'm personally starting to wonder whether – she's obviously come back as a three-year-old, but I don't know if she's gone to a new level like Amelia Jewell did. Um, I think, yeah, obviously superstar two-year-old, but I feel like she's – She's at that same level, and that's what the rating suggests anyway. Like, obviously, one first up, but and she probably, you know, needed the run, so it was a good effort. But she got the saloon passage through and won in a bit of a bunch field. Second up, she, I know the people are going to say, oh, she was too close, but since when is the box seat and not having to go around a horse a bad run? She got, you know, Keshi Boone went past her like she was um, nailed to the rail. And then third up, um, couldn't have asked for a better ride and then just thought she was a touch playing late. But, I mean, I know you're going to say she doesn't get the mile, but I think she's had her chance to win another race this prep. Yeah, absolutely. But why does she, why does she have to win a race this prep and those other horses can go around week in, week out and never win? Exactly. And they're in the race. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not yeah. saying this is why she shouldn't be in the field. But, but this is, that's, that's sounded quite, like it, Crip. No. Sounded, <laughs> sounded like that's it. That's kind of the that's argument. That's the headline. That, 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 no, Cripps thinks handicapper got it bang and on. Also, this no, isn't that, me. that was the argument of the handicapper as well. And this isn't me being yeah. a smartest either because I had one of my biggest bets of the year on a, in the guineas. So maybe I'm just still a little, a little bit salty. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, you know, we've sort of given her a couple of excuses as to why she hasn't won, whereas I feel like horses who are absolutely in the zone win d- despite having excuses in the run sometimes. Like that ride in the guineas, she should have won from where she was. I mean, in saying that, the form's obviously held up. But, but, that, but that, that's, that's another thing. They're not, they don't win all the time, mm. right? They're going to get beat. And it feels like if she had got beaten the Belgravia and beaten in the Burgess Queen and then come out and win the guineas, like it's that recency bias, right? Yeah. Of that. And it's this is what I was talking to the handicapper about. I feel like they were too focused on that one performance, which then got enhanced by the performances of Zipaway and a lot of good men in the Northerly. So really, if you the 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 Winterbottom and the Northerly have been richer, more interesting 
races across the board for two class three odds being in them in the winter bottom of course ripcord and oscar's fortune and northerly um a lot of good men and zip away so i feel like it shouldn't be running third beaten half length of the guinea shouldn't be a knock on her it should actually be should actually enhance it. Yeah, coach. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but but not only that, it's just lining up against the other horses in the field. You've got great – oh, they're all good horses, and I said that on Twitter during the week, but um, they're coming through listed listed races and they haven't accumulated as much prize money in their career as what Super Smink has in um, in eight starts. And I feel like – I feel like – and he said this on radio as well – that – he, they frowned upon her not going to the champion fillies and in, bypassing the champion fillies and going to the guineas. And that was a programming decision based on what was best for the horse. No one's trying to be smart and avoid certain races. Dan's trying to win A, a northerly, or B, a gold rush. And so he's trying to get the horse from there to there to make sure he's going to get it peaking at the right time. And this was the path chosen to get there. But to highlight the fact that we didn't go to the champion fillies and we, and, and then we cost ourselves a chance to qualify for the race, I, I don't know. I, I find that a bit of a cheap if you, argument. If you had your time again, do you reckon you would have gone to the Placid Arc, taken that potential route? I don't know. Like it was, it was, it was all, all was on the table and it was a collective decision. Dan yeah, would have. Like at Dan, the, Dan, at Dan and time, Chris, Chris Parnham and it was all just, oh, we'll just – and they're three-year-olds as well. So – I don't think you should be penalised for testing the capabilities of your horse. Like, and, and you know, this is thoroughbred horse racing. It's a contest. You could have easily stuck to the 1,200-metre races or you can test your, the limits of your filly, see what she's capable of and um, and compete against the best um, at the pointy end of the year. Yep. And, like, I don't think – I think it's courageous from the stable to, to do what they did rather than – Oh well, she's we we know she's really effective at twelve hundred. Let's do let's do that. But at the end of the day, I don't think it even should have come to that. I think it's just if the handicapper is empowered and encouraged to use her discretion, then it's a no brainer. Like she's just she's in regardless of whether she wins, loses, or whatever. She's deserves her place in that field. Yeah. And I think that is the issue for me. It's the discretion. Either use it, don't talk about it. Either use it or don't have it. So, um, and Racing and Wagering WA and Perth Racing need to get behind the handicapper and say, look, in future, we want the best horses racing against the best. This is big time grand final racing. And if, if that means you've got to promote a horse into the field and demote something out of the field to make sure that the, um, the best are together and they're facing off against each other, then you should be encouraged to do so. The last thing I, I, I would say on it is it's a nonsense that the – favourite or second favourite is E2. It's absolute bananas. And I don't know, like, from a wagering point of view, how that affects you guys from what you're trying to do within the race. I've got no idea how deductions work with her as an E2 or what the setup is. And that's the thing. It's some 50% more. Some corporates are different, yeah. Yeah, sports better the only one that How does it work? Well, just at the moment, it's a hundred and most companies, it's about 145% market with her in it. And there won't be deductions when she comes out, but she is taking up, say, 16% of the market. So it's a 129% market. But the problem is if a couple come out, if Carly's Karma and – 
my Bella may come out, she comes into the field, you're betting into 150% market throughout because there's no real deductions on yeah. them. And if you do take something else, so if you back another horse that's currently in the field and then she does get a run, um, yeah, well, it's this exact same thing. You're not you're not getting um, rewarded for it, but you still be deducted. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not good for wagering because you're betting into such a high percentage uh, market this far out. So there probably won't be huge serious betting in this race. I wouldn't have thought until nine a.m. or eight a.m. on Saturday morning. Yeah, that was my exact thought. I'm I, I wasn't super keen on anything in the race, but I just said there's just no way. I'm just going to look at it again as soon as final scratchings come through yep, because yep. I'd hate to back something. You know, I'd hate to back say Valor Road and then. Savitoxil comes out yeah. and Super Spink replaces her and all of a sudden yeah. I've got to beat a $6 pot instead of the 100 to 1. Yeah, right. So, I mean- You don't, and, get, you don't get the opposite to a deduction no. and, <laughs> and addition to your price. And again, like the, the narrow-mindedness to focus purely on that one metric, their internal handicap is rating, rather than take the whole collective picture into the decision-making process was- uh, was a flaw. Price right. should be one of the bigger factors because the market is just so And it's a mature market. It wasn't yeah. like it just came yeah. out that it's day. It's been knocked exactly. in by a lot of smart people. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 yeah, and as I said, it's not about whether she wins, loses or whatever. For me, it's about the contest. It's about creating the best possible race we can. And I think it was a golden opportunity missed. You reckon Vinny was a bit mains, do you? <laughs> <the> Morton Camp. <laughs> I don't think Vinny will be taking my calls and, uh, for a while. So. <laughs> Probably the, out of the – I've listened to all the commentary throughout the week. Yep. My favourite interview of the lot was listening to Craig Williams and this is the view I actually had on it was just – he said, look, I can't control what I can't control so I'm going to rock up on Saturday. If she runs, good. If she doesn't, I've got another good ride and that's how I did the race. I, yeah, it doesn't affect – I don't bet futures so it doesn't affect me either way from a financial – Standpoint, um, I, I downloaded my ratings, I did the form, and then after once final scratchings come out Saturday, I'll adjust for that and just play each ball on its merits. Sea ball, hit ball. So, um, no reverse sweeps for you. No reverse, so stay in the V. Very <laughs> stay good. Stay in the V. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. And when we return, we'll be getting stuck into our preview for Damien Oliver, Gold Rush Day. 